What's up, everybody? Josiah Leroy here. Welcome to the Shazam spoiler cast. We just got out of the theater. Very excited. Uh, overall, great reaction. Again, this is a spoiler cast, so spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't seen the film yet, stop right now, bookmark this, and come back afterwards. Unless you don't care about spoilers, then go for it. With me today, to my left, Jeffrey Pavlak. What's up, Jeff? What's up, man? And I'm very excited. Uh, finally, first time Geekiverse podcast. Uh, we talk really about him actually every Geekiverse podcast in one way, in some way, shape, or form with 26 Shirts, with Fantastic, our good friend and partner, Del Reed. What's up, Del? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Good to have you. Yeah, very, very excited to have you. So, uh, again, we just saw Shazam uh, a little bit early here. This movie is not out until April 5th. Uh, but first reactions, Jeff, why don't we start with you? I think we might have a classic on our hands. Oh, I okay. Think this was really, really. I was already excited going into this, but I, this actually surpassed my expectations. You thought it would be good, but it ended up being great. Yes. For you. Gotcha. Exactly. I'll circle around to some DCEU stuff momentarily. But Del, first reactions. Uh, speaking of the DCEU, it did uh, exceed my expectations. Uh, I went into it with a very, you know, low expectations, expecting, you know, just to, to get some laughs out of it based on the trailer and was very, you know, very pleasantly surprised at how entertained I was for the entire entirety of the, the, the movie. Very good pacing, I thought, overall. I thought it, it maybe a little bit out of the gate. It was just a touch slow, but in hindsight, seeing the, the whole movie, I was fine with it. Um, I, I, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I think it's my favorite movie of the year so far. I know that's saying a lot with Captain Marvel having just come out, but I think it eclipses that for me. Um, I, I tend to, to like the, the humor in these superhero movies, and this is definitely the best job that DC's done with that so far with mixing in humor without making something shallow. Yeah, that was definitely the hardest I've laughed in a long time. Um, I think if you're just counting superhero movies, probably the hardest I've laughed since original guardians of the galaxy. Oh, like there were some very, very legit gut busting laughs in there for me. I feel like, uh, it took a lot. It borrowed elements from what made guardian special from what made, to a lesser degree, even like a movie like Spider-Man Homecoming comes to mind, just probably because of the, the youth presence in this. Um, and then there's one other that is, is escaping me right now. But Ant-Man? Uh, maybe. Maybe a little bit of the charm Lisa of that. The story in Ant-Man the Wasp had us laughing pretty good <laughs> when you and I went to go see it. That's very true. Uh, here, I felt like they did a good job from beginning to end. It wasn't any portion of the movie that I wanted to write off. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan, and I think we both had the same sentiment, Jeff and I, that we want an, another one of these right away. Like, yeah, they definitely capitalize. set up for it. You know, they definitely, you know, I mean, it's a spoiler cast, so I can tell, like, what happens with his mom? You know, what, what's the story there? Like, they kind of just, like, fell very flat. Like, they're building up in, you know, the first uh, portion of the movie about how he's looking for his mom, and then kind of finds her, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm good now. I've got a new family. It's like, whoa, 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 there's, there's a lot more to explore here if you want to make a complex character, so... Yeah, there's uh, there was a nice, a little bit of a nice twist there. I don't know if it was a twist, but I think oftentimes, you know, if, if someone finds their mom or in a situation where they're searching for a parent that they've been separated from, either the parent is is passed away, or they find them and it's a happy ending. This was an alternative route, and I feel like it really added some some depth here. Whereas 
I mean, when that happened, I, I felt heartbroken for the kid because he spent his whole life trying to find her. Look at all the, the searches throughout his notebook, um, even his, his new family kind of helping him out there. Um, kind of amazing that you, you felt like you were in that kid's shoes when you saw what was going on. Like, imagine, I guess, that feeling. That was one of a few scenes that were that was surprisingly somber or outright grim at times. The another one that immediately comes to mind is Savannah's attack on the boardroom, where oh yeah, that's some dark I'm stuff. I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm half expecting them to drop a joke somewhere in this just to break up the the, the dark subject matter that's going on, and it doesn't come. And the way that they marketed this movie, they they were really highlighting the laughs and the mm-hmm. jokes left and right, but then this movie had a surprisingly broad spectrum of emotions, especially in, in terms of like those grim, very um, melancholy moments. I was really impressed by that and that they let them let them flow without necessarily injecting a joke in the middle of it sometimes. And then that's something Marvel's guilty of too, is, is throwing something in almost at an inappropriate time. And Aquaman did it a couple times as well. Yeah. And I, look, I loved Aquaman. I was a big fan of that movie, but Aquaman did it a few times and I've often criticized the Marvel movies for that. What did you think of some of the darker stuff in this, Dell? I have to applaud the director because during that boardroom scene, I remember thinking, like, this is exactly how I would expect it to happen. If something like this happened, like, this is how I would expect people to react. Like, they l- kind of lost their minds there, yeah. like, the people in the boardroom. Like, oftentimes, like, all those extras in a scene like that are, like, just, like, clutching their, you know, uh, clutching their chairs or whatever, yeah. like, just being quiet. But they're, like, they're losing their mind. And I thought that was really, I remember as that scene was happening, thinking, all right, that's probably how it would go down. Like people would start f- freaking out if demons showed up and started throwing people out windows and whatever. So that's and, a really underrated point. I like that, and I definitely think that um, plays into the director's hands, David F. Sandberg, who previously did horror movies before this. All of his I didn't know that. Yeah, his like major theatrical works before this were um, Lights Out, the theatrical adaptation of that, um, originally a short film that he did, and then Annabelle Creation. So this is his first. Oh. This is his first foray into the superhero genre, and it's pretty much exclusively he's done horror before this. Do you feel like that was a uh, he was able to maybe help along the the writing and the directing for the villain in this case, Mark yeah, Strong's character, um, because I, of that? I I can see that. Like he wasn't a joke. No, you know, I, and I actually think I think Mark Strong's character here, Doctor Savannah, is probably the best DCEU villain since Zod in Man of Steel. Because I liked Ares, but Ares was more of a concept than a figure. You felt his influence more than his actual presence. Otherwise, DCEU villains have been kind of lacking. Um, but I think this—I think Savannah here was actually a very, very good villain. Del, you just saw Aquaman, right? Yeah. You said, uh, "What did you think of it overall?" I liked it. Um, I think it started out strong. I, I'm not really crazy how it ended. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, the villain in that in that movie, his brother, I forget the actor's name. He played in the Watchmen. I, I just kept seeing the nerdy guy from Watchmen. Like, <laughs> yeah, Patrick Wilson. I, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I can't take you seriously as a villain, dude. You're like a really wishy washy superhero. Ten years ago, um, oh, but no, no, yeah. I would say Orm had a great costume, but the performance was kind of hammed up. And I actually said that in my written review for the Geekiverse. Yeah, it was. And when there was a lot of times when he would yell and like, yeah, I'm like, was, dude, stop, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're the king. Like, you already got everything. Like, chill. All right, just have a little bit more decorum. A little over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with that. But yeah, it, it was good. I think uh, Aquaman took some cues, and I think Shazam was a, a great answer 
to Deadpool's comment about Cable being from the DC universe and being so dark. I think that was like their answer. And I honestly feel like some of the one-liners that Aquaman had um, were almost like, all right, all right, well, we can lighten up the, the, the mood a little bit, but... And he's um, such a bro, right? Like, so it it was good for I think him to to do that. My favorite scene in Aquaman was when the guys came up to him and his dad in the bar. Me too. <laughs> and they ended up like <laughs> taking all the selfies and everything. Don't touch me. <laughs> that was pretty. Great. I was totally going there. If you yeah. weren't, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I wanted you to add, talk about Aquaman just so it'll give a, a later point we have with the DCEU a little bit of context because if you listen to the Geekiverse, you kind of know how Jeff and I felt, but now you know how Odell feels as well. You have something to say? I would say this is such a de- departure from Aquaman 2. Um, I mean, the production budget for this was said to be under $100 million. And for right. a movie these days, right. that's, that's... That's very low for a superhero blockbuster. And just Aquaman yeah. was so sprawling and grand and epic in scope, whereas this was a lot more contained. It was a much more intimate story. It's funny. I associate Aquaman a little bit more with... Um, to a point, uh, more like a Lord of the Rings movie, more of a fantasy movie. This is more of your, your kind of Deadpool... One off. Um, I think that's the movie I was trying to, to relate it to earlier. I think it, this is their version of Deadpool, where there it was a character that was always popular, but got on screen and just took off. Like that's going to be a great property, especially for Disney now that they officially own that the license to that character again. Uh, I think that is what we're going to see with Shazam. There's been a lot of positive press from critics early on. Uh, no doubt that's why they put this in theaters a few weeks early, just uh, for today. And moving forward, I think that's just going to carry on until everyone forgets about it and we all watch Endgame, you know. <laughs> but I, that's good. I have to admit, because I'm a little older than you guys, I remember seeing Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing Shazam cartoons, or at least the Shazam character. In, I don't know if it was in, uh, uh, you know, Justice League or not Justice League, what do they call it? Super Friends or whatever it was. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that character, and I remember being six or seven years old thinking, this is such a lame character. <laughs> even like, even like, you know, first grade Dell was like not impressed. And so as you know, years go on, like I don't think I'd ever see a Shazam movie. It never even entered my mind. And then uh, when this trailer dropped, or when I found out that they were making this movie, uh, you know, about a year ago or whatever, um, I, I felt like, all right, this is probably the only direction you could take Shazam into like something that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's still part of the. The bigger universe, and I was glad that you know we had that that cameo at the end there. I kept waiting for some crossover, yeah, of, in some way. Um, so I thought that was pretty great, you know. But to your point about Aquaman, I one of the things I was struggling with was hard. To, it was hard for me to take this story and place this in the exact same universe that Aquaman existed in. I, I don't I don't know why, but like it just for me, it's like these are two separate. Realities in, in in my mind, but maybe once they share a screen, if they ever do, then that'll change. Obviously, and it helps too with Wonder Woman. Like that's that's another completely different environment and in, in, in time period, obviously. But um, then, and I think these these movies in the DCEU tend to be better as individual movies. Ironically, like whereas the Marvel movies find strength in kind of coming together. Uh, so the uh, you know they weren't able to replicate what they did with Marvel, but I don't think they had to, and I think they're just realizing that with how strong the Wonder Woman movie was, with um, how well received Aquaman was, and now this. And I think also to your point about not kind of, you kind of thinking Shazam was a joke, like that's what the perception of Aquaman was for a long time too, right? Like they, they literally had to reinvent Aquaman to make him palatable to you know the the movie goer. 
Right. So it's, it's kind of interesting to have these back-to-back movies of two characters who were previously seen as kind of jokes or cast-offs, and now they're, you know, Aquaman did great at the box office. It's just, it was a steamroller. And now you got this, and time will tell with how well it does, but I think it's off to a good start. I think the... Um, uh, I was going to say the American public, but the world is ready for just as many superhero movies as the studios want to turn out. Mm-hmm. Because they're done so well <laughs> nowadays that the effects are so believable, they don't look cheesy, and really all that the the filmmakers have to do is just make sure that they just have a, co- a cohesive story from you know start to finish, which is obviously easier said than done sometimes. But um, I think that people are just... it's now completely mainstream you know this is the geekiverse but really like all that geekdom is now mainstream that's kind of been our mantra since we started was this is like just culture now it's not even like geek culture like if it's it's rare that i talk to somebody who hasn't seen some of these movies or at least can talk to them a little bit whereas growing up even just you know high school for us she's 10 years ago (laughs) was like it was the opposite now it's not. It's 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 great to see that everyone's kind of finding some sort of interest in these. Um, I think I wanted to go next to really just the, the stars of the film here. We I think we found the perfect casting in, in Zachary Levi as as Shazam, just in his element, born to play. Absolutely it, right? in his element. That guy must have had a blast filming the, some of those scenes. When uh, when you and I used to talk about early on in the MCU, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, you were always like, "There's no acting there. That's just hit. that's right. just how he is." <laughs> I think that's what we saw here. Yeah, if you've seen him um, in interviews, Zachary Levi is just bursting with energy. Always got a smile on his face. Super super charming guy, um, and I I think that's shown through in his performance here. Seems like a fun guy. Oh yeah, it's a guy you want to hang out with. The other thing I really loved is that he gave so much hype to his younger co-stars leading up to this movie. He yeah, was they were always reg- together. He was regularly diverting attention away from them and saying, I, th- I think at one point he said something to the effect of, I can't wait to si- for the world to see these kids shine, which I thought was such a wonderful sentiment to pass on. I I had no qualms with any of the kid actors. And, and when I say kids, you know, teens or even younger, actually, uh, some of them. I, I think they were great. That is really rare to find a group of kids like that that can kind of take the ball and run with it. They were the star of the film. Yeah. They were right alongside him there. Um, Levi was great. I've always been a big fan of his, his enthusiasm. He's a big gamer, which is always great for me. So I love that. Um, Mark Strong as our, uh, our antagonist here. Mark, I, uh, I always associate nowadays with the Kingsman movies. Uh, and then I start thinking about country roads cause he's, that's an emotional Why? scene. Stop it. I, Stop it. Why? Uh, him singing Country Roads is one of the most emotional moments for me in, in movies in a long time. that's a spot for me. He shouldn't have died. <laughs> he never should have been killed be off. He'll be back. Yeah, they got two so. Kingsman movies in production. Yeah, I hope so. Chill out, Jeff. Uh, you know what else he was in? What? He was in Green Lantern. Was he real? Oh. He was Sinestro. I never saw that movie. You're better off for it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, what, what Del said. So bad. What Del said. <laughs> that's, why, that's why Deadpool killed it was was for the best that's one of the best post credit scenes ever Deadpool 2 so yeah Mark Strong also I I forget uh, villain in the first Sherlock Holmes movie from uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law Uh, I always think about that but Mark Strong here was a strong strong villain no pun intended Uh, I didn't mean to say that it's horrible with any other adjective Uh, he was and it's always been lacking I think in the DCEU he definitely was and I really like that 
I really like the portrayal of Savannah that they had here because traditionally Savannah's been like this real scrawny kind of like weaselly mad scientist kind of character throughout history and it's only been more recent iterations that he's more physically imposing and they definitely took that with this i mean savannah obviously could fight on his own in this he wasn't just some you know rat like little weasel no not this at all. was a physically imposing daunting character and you had to think he was going to be the rat like weasel um when you f- saw the movie open and right the little Oh yeah, like little geeky kid in the back seat. You're like, all right, you know, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, not many, uh, not many people can pull off the jacket that he was wearing for the most of that with the the fur collar there. I thought that was impressive. <laughs> so he was such a great foil to Billy and Shazam too, because he was the example of you know how a kid can really go wrong when he doesn't have the support and upbringing that's that every kid deserves. So yeah. maybe oh, go ahead. I'll just say that that's a really good um, point about the family. Like one guy had a family growing up, and he turned out terrible. And the other, the other character doesn't have a family, and he's a superhero. And that kind of ties in all to the end, which is really good writing, in my opinion, to him, uh, to Mark Strong's character being that last demon, which was envy. Right? He was right. envious of. Mm-hmm. They had the same. They essentially were equals in terms of power. Uh, him and Shazam, but Shazam had the family. And he did not. And that, I, man, the more I think about it, the more I think about just how well this all came together. Um, these movies, especially with a character like Shazam, I feel there's more to it than just jokes and uh, him kind of being like oh, a kid trapped in a man's body. Like there's, there's more to it than that to make it a good movie. And they accomplished that here. But that's a really good segue into where I wanted to go next. Just a few bullet points, again, on an emotional depth for the movie that not a lot of these, these superhero Sometimes superhero movies fall flat on it. Some really succeed. I feel like this one succeeded. Family. Very important. Central theme throughout. I loved the foster parents. Me too. Like, man, those great people. Okay, the mom and dad. Where do I know them both from? It was driving me crazy. Uh, that I have to look <sighs> up, unfortunately. I don't know that the, off the top of my head. I don't know about... <laughs> the dad looked like find. Aquaman's, like, um, <laughs> 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 like the movie Twins. You know, yeah. when Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there was that element There's going on That actor I know, I think it's his dad that was Samoan. So he does have some Polynesian mm-hmm. heritage to him. Oh, without a doubt. Was Where? he... I got to look that up. I'll see if I can find something real quick. Okay. Look him up for me. I feel like he was... Uh, the, a voiceover in uh, in the recent Tomb Raider games. How, the, how do you go to that? <laughs> Jeez, no, I know that. Her, voice. Yeah, you really know voices, her, man. In the game, in the new Tomb Raider trilogy, her best friend's name is Jonah. Okay, and I'm, that he sounds jo- and looks like that guy. I'm not seeing that he was or is still is in Walking Dead, which I'm, I have to admit I have not watched in quite a few years. But apparently, oh, he's gosh. been a major character on that for a couple seasons now. Huh, all right, I gotta look up Tomb Raider voice real quick. Yeah, I uh, man, it's, that's, um, yeah, it's I, a, that's an interesting go-to. I know that's go-to. A, a stretch, but let me let me tell you. If if it turns out you're right, that's gonna be pretty. I I pretty I have awesome. a unique gift. <laughs> he did call out that it was Darth Maul even before he took out took off the the hood in what he called Solo. Oh, geez. when that clip was when that scene was happening, he leans over to his wife Lauren and goes, "That's Darth Maul." And then a second <laughs> later, Darth Maul pulls off. Did the she hood. get mad at you, like you, as if you knew and you spoiled it for her, or was she like, "Oh, well, she doesn't exciting. care." <laughs> she, she, she's like, "Okay, whatever." And I'm sitting there going, "It's Darth Maul," you know, like, "Oh my gosh!" 
What a well, cool moment that was. I'm sure it was like in every viewing where the whole audience went. <gasps> That's was, exactly you know. what it was. Because in the uh, here in the duel of the fates music just subtly in the background. Oh man, <laughs> it was so great. I'm sad that we're probably not going to get any more sequels to Solo specifically because of the, hmm. the box office. They really could have done three of those. They could have done one about Lando and one about uh, Kira. That yes, been probably. Pretty, yeah, pretty great. Made it like a whole essentially like crime syndicate trilogy. Woo! And it could have spawned um, Lucasfilm. If you're listening, yes, please. It could have spawned uh, leading into. You might be upset with this. Shadows of the Empire. It's not uh, canon anymore. Big, big <laughs> Shadows fan. Well, I'm a big. Um, he likes the uh, extended universe uh, a lot. Okay, yeah, I feel you, man. Rest that, in peace. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a it's a common topic. Yeah, that we discuss. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that whenever <laughs> we, Josiah and I start talking about Star Wars, it always turns into me getting a little bit uh, heated about how the EU never existed. I Even see. though, I mean, it's all fiction. But now it it's like, it's, it's fictional fiction, which really <laughs> frustrates me. Right. It's, <laughs> it's even worse than fiction. It's like That's the best way to put it. Oh. It's so far removed. It's like Second Life, right? Oh. Yeah, I, yeah. What, what's the name of the, the actor that we were Cooper talking Andrews. about? Cooper Andrews. I'm wrong. All right. Yeah, uh, in Tomb Raider, it's a, a voice actor named Earl Balon. I really thought I had that one. But uh, the, the girl that plays adult version of Darla in Shazam, I could not put my finger on it, and as the credits were rolling, it hit me. She was um, she was like the, the big boss in uh, Anchorman 2, if you uh, saw Anchorman 2 at all. I did not. I did not see that either. Um, yeah. I know I've seen her somewhere else. I thought Faith Herman... Who was the, you know the the younger version of her though was absolutely adorable. Oh, she was wonderful. I mean, she's right up there with Monica Rambo as just delightful little girls in these past couple movies between Shazam and Captain Marvel. Now she never felt annoying to me. Sometimes kids who have a lot of dialogue can feel that way to me, and I didn't think that she was ever close to it. She was always charming. She was a sweetheart. She was a sweetheart. It was good casting. Yeah. Oh my the gosh. Kids really. They nailed it. The show. Yeah. Well, they didn't carry the show, but they you know. It, it, the rest of it sucked. We could say that they carried the show. That's how that's how that's how well they did. And then all of the actors too, because you know, even when the kids turn into the Shazam or like the Shazam family, um, all of those adult actors definitely felt like kids in adult bodies. Like they all channeled that youthful exuberance and vibrance and a little bit of naivety. Like I thought, you know, Zachary Levi was the one we're really gonna highlight on that but all of the adult actors really captured that youthful energy so well when they were on screen do you know what aspect this this really felt like it carried to me was or borrowed was from the first guardians of the galaxy that felt like the first marvel movie that felt self-aware up to a point or mcu movie specifically whereas it, i i didn't know much about guardians before it and it felt like a spoof movie but they were spoofing themselves. And then I come to find out all it's, it's all in the same universe and it's connected right. and they end up being such beloved characters, at least to me. Whereas um, this felt like that was the first time we saw this for the, the quote-unquote DCEU, where it was like kind of, we're just going to have fun in this movie. We're just going to go. And it ended up, it was like they let their hair down, you know? Like they had a lot of fun and it ended up falling into place way better than I could have imagined. This was meta without actually being meta, I feel like. Sure. There was a lot of real world illusions mm-hmm. without actually breaking the fourth wall. Even to the point where, you know, I wanted to work this in. Is this the first DC movie that actually references a real city? Not Metropolis, not Gotham, but like. No, Wonder Woman had London. Okay, there you go. But yeah, that first American city, yeah, at least. That, I kept wondering, like. That yeah, f- so it didn't feel suicide. super dis- disconnected. Yeah. Like the suicide Squad was Midway City, right? 
I don't remember. I don't, I've, uh, I've repressed a lot of that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you, you and a lot of other people. Yeah, because I don't think Justice League actually had a real world city. And Aquaman referenced Maine, I believe, but I don't think it actually referenced the city. I think mm. it just mentioned That's a good state. point, Del. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. It made it a little bit more relatable. Just, just a little bit. Maybe yeah, I didn't even realize. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool. I've been to Philadelphia a couple times, for, you know, in a previous life for work conferences and stuff, and it was gotcha. pretty cool seeing some of the sites, you know. And never thought I'd see, you know, William Penn's head fall to the ground <laughs> like that. But that was right. Philly's a fun cool. city. It is. It's a good place. I have never been there. Um, it's a, one yeah, day. It's a good town. You got to run up the stairs and oh, of course get gassed and. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love that they played Eye of the Tiger when he was doing the show there with like the Perfect. lightning. That was great. <laughs> lightning from my hands. My favorite sequence uh, probably throughout was when they were playing Queens Don't Stop Me Now. That was an extended period where he was just kind of learning all about his superpowers and, and what he could and couldn't do. And I love that he had a manager, quote unquote. That was really funny to me. Um, man, those those two really... Regardless of if he was adult Shazam or kid Shazam, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. Billy. Billy. They made a great pair. Yeah. Chemistry was great either way. You almost wish you could see Shazam with Billy side by side. Yeah. Like have Billy talk to Shazam somehow. Yeah. Granted, I mean, like, I know that sounds kind of weird because they're the same exact character, but. They'll put that in the sequel when he has some kind of identity (laughs) crisis or something. (laughs) There it is. His own Fortress of Solitude or whatever it is. Give us a call, DC. We got this planned out for you. Jack Dylan Grazer was fantastic in this, too. And I think between this and his performance in It a couple years ago, that kid's going to do some great things going forward. Which one was he? He was. Well, wait, in Shazam? Mm -hmm. That was. Who do you call it? That was Freddie Freeman. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um,. The cast was great beginning to end. This is not something I usually bring up uh, as we you know, kind of talk about lighter topics here, but with the Foster family specifically, I appreciated the way they made it diverse. It wasn't diversity for the sake of diversity, if that makes sense. It wasn't like, hey, look at us. We just are all cool. It was like that was a loving family full of loving humans led by those two awesome parents. That I don't know. I thought that whole s- scenario was just... You'd, you'd hope to see it in real life. Yeah, and it was great that at the end he said this is home. Yeah. That he he lived up to his foster mom's mantra. I love the way they got together. I love the way they even brought him home for the first time. I liked how they sat down at the dinner table. When uh, Billy left, they were like, we're still eating kind of thing. Uh, it, it was nice because they were like, they were strong parents. Um, and I, maybe you don't always see that. That days. was the life and the environment that he always deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that every kid deserves. And the, the parents encouraged each other without coming off like uh, cardboard standouts, you know. No yeah. offense to any <laughs> cardboard <laughs> oh, standouts. I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> that was not intentional. I forgot there's a so There is a cardboard cutout cut out of me in the corner. I It kept falling down, and that's the only place I could get it to stand up because the feet are kind of mismanaged. And then so I'm, I'm cleaning the area earlier, and Lauren, my wife, comes down the stairs. She goes... That's rather creepy, don't you think? <laughs> and I stopped what I was doing. I go, it's beautiful. <laughs> that's the only That's the only response. <laughs> what else was I going to say? So, yeah, it's a little creepy. But, but I really did like the way that the parents encouraged each other. And, you know, that, that it's not easy being a foster parent. And, you know, she was struggling with certain aspects. And the dad said, you know, listen, we've been through this ourselves. And I thought that was really cool. They yeah, both shared, not control, but uh, 
and not even authority. That's how influ- parents should be, but right? Like influence. That's what I'm looking for. Neither one of them was dominant. They were both equally influenced yeah. over the family. I like the way when um, when they were kind of disciplining Billy towards the middle of the movie, like he took on that father role, and like he to his testament, I guess how how he went about doing it. Like he wasn't screaming at him, but he raised his voice and said, "How could you do this? Why would you think this and that?" And it was all fine without going over the line. Whereas we saw in the beginning of the movie. Um, that father kind of just being a really bad parent. Yeah. Like, he crossed the line in terms of... Verbally abusive. Yeah, like, th- there was no need for that. Right. Um, so there were, there was a nice contrast there. Um, and then, I, you know, again, kind of the last thought for me on the emotional depth for it, uh, I circle around to the, the Billy finding out that his mom really was the one that, I guess, severed the relationship, if you will. It wasn't a mistake. Um, they, as... As awful as that seems, they also made her, you saw from her point of view a little bit. Not that it makes her uh, behavior acceptable, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but like it wasn't like she was just some jerk who was like, I don't want a kid, see ya. Like she had her reasons, even though it wasn't necessarily the greatest thing. There's really no one in this movie who's outright bad. Like even Savannah, he's not, he, he's not just all malicious and a one note bad guy. There's, no, there's nuance to every person's faults and flaws in this movie, I feel like. What did you guys think of, um, kind of shifting gears here a bit? Yes. The, the, the seven deadly sins, the, the demons. Like, I, in any DC movie, I always feel like those are so generic, those kind of characters. Like Justice League, they kind of felt like they're ripped right out of there. Like, I just never care about them. Maybe the, they did a good job in the boardroom being terrifying, but that's more of a testament to the actors and actresses in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do you think of them? They're they're so that might be like my only gripe with the whole thing. They could have had maybe more visual um, diversity between them. Yeah, they all kind of looked the same. They uh, did. And Del, I don't know, I don't know if you're an anime guy. Ever watched Full Metal Alchemist? Uh, no. Never mind then. <laughs> For the folks at home who do know Full Metal Alchemist, what'd you just call me? <laughs> the main bad guy group in that anime are also based on the Seven Deadly Sins, and they all look completely different from one another while gain- taking a visual theme from whatever name they have. I that did a lot better gotcha. than this one. Did. Yeah, these were more like uh, smoky gargoyles. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's true. They they use that. A little bit of the Thanos snap, everyone wiping away a few times. That that effect with how they were smoky. I could be wrong, but I believe that female assistant who basically was immolated after she touched the door, I think that's David F. Sandberg's wife. Because he's had her do cameos in just about all of his movies. Does he kill her in every movie? That's I, messed well, up relationship. Kind of, yeah, because actually <laughs> like his like his claim to like his first claim to flame was um the short film Lights Out, which eventually became a full theatrical release, she's the main, or like, you know, the main character in there, and then she's the one that is implied to be killed by the demon that just shows up in the dark. And actually, he filmed that, and that's how, you know, he used, you know, his, gave his wife the part when he was, you know, an unknown just starting out in the industry. See, I pick up on, uh, I think I pick up on a lot of details, but it's like, oh, I can tell you where I saw that actor or actress from, but apparently not their voice actor because I was way off on that. <laughs> but usually I can. Whereas you have a, a, like a big knowledge of of stuff like you just said, where it was like, did you notice that? Like with the wife, and he always has her in there. Like that's I don't notice those trends as much. I like David F. Sandberg. I think he was chosen really well for this, and it's impressive because 
you know, even his horror movies, which had theatrical releases, you're looking at what five, fifteen million dollars at the most for those. I think Lights Out was made on a budget of five million dollars. Uh, Annabelle Creation was made on a budget of like fifteen million. Now you're jumping to even though Shazam was, we said lower on the spectrum for superhero movies. This is still a hundred million dollar movie that he's working with. It's that's crazy. A big jump in production budget. It's funny that we say that that's not like a right, lot. You I know, know, that's an absurd like, amount of money. Kind of pissing it away essentially here's a hundred million dollars go have fun with your movie right. <laughs> it's like oh that's all you gave him a hundred million dollars like that's crazy talk but that's where we are right um i like uh one thing i noticed again shifting gears was symbolism regarding other dc characters so lots of batman and superman stuff in this i like like that was funny when he threw the the batman figurine in the store he goes i'm batman like that I'm was batman. great <laughs> that was nice uh but the moment for me that kind of said uh, DC's making a shift away from Batman and Superman because that's been their bread and butter the whole time is when the kid was playing with the Batman and Superman action figures in the window in the skyscraper apartments, essentially, and Shazam's in the sky, He sees the kid sees Shazam and drops the figures. Like, doesn't care about Batman and Superman anymore. I thought it was cool that they were fighting, too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, these subtle little things that told me that they're they're finally becoming self aware at DC. You know, um, I thought that was good. Okay, um, Aquaman in the credits as well. Superman was kind of like this, if you notice in the drawing, and no one was paying attention to him, but everyone wanted a picture with Aquaman. Another nice little uh, nod, if you will. Pavlik, you noticed something? We have a Labrador. Yeah, to get yeah. Our thanks a lot, right Labrador. <laughs> Uh, Pavlak, you mentioned something with the Superman uh, bullet oh, yeah, in the yeah. Batarang a little bit. Yeah, that's another about that. one. Uh, the, the Superman bullet that uh, Freddy so lauded and hyped up about, he, that went down the sewer, and we literally don't see that again. Um, the Batarang, which was thrown and then dropped by Savannah, we never see that again. I thought those were kind of the two um, symbolic moments that DC, you know, they're not giving up on Batman or Superman or anything like that. We know that the Batman directed by Matt Reeves is going to be coming out in a couple of years. Um, but they're going to start shining the spotlight on some of these lesser known characters going forward. And this is something they should have done long, long time ago. They have such a wide array of characters that deserve some time in the spotlight. Right. They have such a catalog to pull from yeah. and they're always going back to the same. Well, which I mean, it, it, it serves them well, but uh, to you know, a Batman movie is always going to bring people into the theaters. But they have so much content that they can like cull for these movies, and you know, I think people are ready to see something different. I mean, we've had three different iterations of Batman, or four different. We can even go to six if you want to talk about Val Kilmer and George <laughs> Clooney. But we had so many different iterations of, of Batman and 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 even Superman. Um, there might be a little bit of fatigue there where it's like, just let them, let them sit for a little while and, you know, explore the rest of your catalog. You've got some good stuff in there. It's funny because I wish, you know, I don't, I don't need more Batman right away. I wish they would have done one more Man of Steel movie with Henry Cavill. I, I thought he was a really good Superman, but, you know, we are here. And it's, it's unfortunate. I think he just kind of was at, at the wrong time, Superman. Um, with your point with the, the bullet, yeah. with uh, that dropping down the sewer... I love that he just didn't care about it. Like he didn't start freaking out because he he was there with yeah. Shazam, and that was his attention. Now I, there were so many subtle nods like that, or maybe not so subtle, depending on how you look at it. That I think uh, they get it. They just get it now. Hopefully that keeps going because we've got Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and then this uh, that I would argue are three very good movies all on their own. Yeah, 
put them together, it makes them even stronger. Um, How difficult must it be to a superhero and you can never say your name? Like, if you're doing an interview, so what's your name again? Um, you, maybe you hold up a sign that says Shazam. Like, you can't say it, otherwise you're, you're, you're Billy or you know, Freddy or whatever. Yeah. So, so maybe, but, maybe he is going to be, you know, Captain Sparkle Fingers or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I liked uh, Thundercrack. I think that was a yeah, good one. that was really funny. <laughs> um, they, oh, man, I hit a good point on that. Uh, it'll come back to me, I guess. Uh, can I jog, is there any way I can jog your memory if I just no, ramble? no. Okay. I'll well, I'll come back to it. All right. So DCEU movies: we have Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, Justice League. I don't think I'm missing anything in there, nope. right? So not a, a bad string there. Some to varying qualities. Really, you look at BVS as a movie that was panned. Uh, I, I argue that the BVS extended cut makes that a good movie. Not a I, great movie. I agree. Um, a complete movie, which talks to speaks to the point of if it's a good movie, let it run on, on screen. Don't let your you know your WB executives get their hands on it. Uh, granted, they're the executives, but... Chop out half an hour's worth of footage. They, they chopped out important stuff. Yeah, that too. Have you ever seen that extended cut at all, Dale? I don't think so. If if you ever get around to it, it it changes it changed my opinion on the movie quite a bit, and it, it's funny to think like there's whole plots that are missing and whole things that are taken out that make the existing plots from the original cut even better. So it's it's kind of crazy that they did what they did, um, and we're talking about Endgame being a little over three hours. Like if it's a good movie, let it go. Yeah. It, it just doesn't matter because some movies can feel really long and some can feel really short. It just depends on the quality. Um, I think Suicide Squad generally. You know, most people look at that as a, a not a good movie. Clearly, Man of Steel, I think a lot of people think was a good movie. So you go down the list. You got Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, Justice League. It's really not that bad of an extended universe here. We're shifting away from that with the Joker movie, with the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Um, Birds of Prey is not going to be connected as well, from what I understand. But either way, you look at it that, and it's like, hey, maybe this thing wasn't so bad after all. They just. Uh, they came in at a tough time, and they tried to replicate the success that Marvel had, and no one's going to do that. Right. They, they tried to rush to their big crossovers without properly building up to them, like Marvel did. Which I'll never understand. Like, take your time. Just exactly. The template's made. You know, you don't have to jump right into Justice League, like, so quickly. They yeah. could have put Aquaman first, and they could have done so much more to develop those characters. So when they finally meet up, there's some gravity to it. As opposed to just, uh, oh yeah, and here's Aquaman, and uh, here's Flash. And, and, and Didn't work. Too bad. They, they, they missed a lot of great opportunities. They screwed up the order with that, I think. What WB was so clueless on was that one superhero alone can make a world of difference. You look at the cultural impact that the Wonder Woman solo movie had. You see what Captain Marvel is doing. You saw what Black Panther, the solo movie, did. Aquaman made so much money at the box office. You don't need a sprawling crossover to have cultural impact. What's funny, too, is Marvel did a really good job with, um, you know, not just building up in the first phase to the Avengers, but in the, uh, the middle of the second phase there, in Civil War, they were so far ahead, they had so much fanfare kind of like deposited in the bank, if you will, that they had a chance to introduce a character like Black Panther and introduce a character such as Spider-Man in the MCU version where it was fine. It worked out. And then as soon as I saw Civil War in mid-2016, I couldn't wait for a Black Panther movie, which we got in early 2018. They just did it right. 
And um, unfortunately, I think that's where the DC went wrong. And right now, these in- I'm fine with these individual movies. I don't need huge universe crossovers anymore. Yep. Um, where do you guys, before we wrap things up here, where do you, it's hard to, you got to let it sink in, let it marinate. Where do you rank Shazam among your favorite DCEU movies, if you have one? For me, I'll start, let you think about it for a second. I think Wonder Woman's my top. Aquaman's not far behind, believe it or not. But I think Shazam is better than Aquaman, so that would put it two. And I'd have to see Wonder Woman and Shazam again, but Shazam, there's a possibility that I, I like it more than Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, for me, is one of my favorite films out of the last several years. Not just superhero. Just it, I, I was really, really enthralled by that. So I don't know. It's going to be very tough for a superhero movie to ever approach that again. Um, I would say that Shazam is getting close to that tier, though. I also don't want to give away anything too much because I will be writing the Geekiverse's official review for this. Um, I do have like a score and a ranking in mind for that. Um, I will save that for the written review, though. But it is, it's definitely high up there for me. I'll say that. Yeah, I would definitely put it behind Wonder Woman and ahead of Aquaman. Um, so I guess it'd be number two. Gotcha. I um, but they're so different. Wonder Woman and, and Shazam are such different movies. You know, it's it is hard to compare. And and I also said walking out, um, two things. One of I think I like this better than I liked Captain Marvel, and it's hard to compare them. They're just so drastically different. But Shazam would be my favorite movie so far this year. Um, with Wonder Woman, I feel like she is what made that movie so great. Uh, the, the character Wonder Woman. Whereas I felt like Shazam was just totally well-rounded. Like, there were so many things I liked about all of it. So I, that might have been a differentiating thing for me. Yeah, I got to think that Shazam's going to have a much higher rewatchability factor. You know, um, it'll be one of those movies where, you, like, with for me, like, Ragnarok. I can, oh. I can, I can start that... It doesn't matter what's going on. Like, if I have nothing to do, like, I'll just put in Ragnarok. Like, that's for me. I can watch it over and over and yes. over again and not get tired of it. Shazam might be in that neighborhood. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I could watch when Ragnarok <laughs> came out on Blu-ray. Oh my gosh, I watched that probably more than even Guardians, which was it for me. But like it, every night, even falling asleep, like that yeah. was the movie. I have seen Ragnarok more than any other MCU movie. Really? Oh, over and over. I played in the office <laughs> in the background, like pretty often. It's just so great because you can zone out and zone back in, and the next line that's being spoken is probably going to make you laugh. It's just so well done. The movie made me love Thor. I'll tell you that. I do want to rewatch this around Christmas time. Should yeah, I mean? yeah. It, obviously, the story takes place yeah. around the Christmas um, holiday season, uh, but I definitely want to rewatch it then and see if that captures any holiday spirit for me yeah i think maybe you know it can enter the same conversation as die hard perhaps right yeah <laughs> the weird movie that isn't actually you know a christmas movie but you know has that same flavor to it 20 years from now we'll have a hashtag shazam, shazam is a the christmas ne- movie right the next big debate i yeah. always think about that with iron man 3 because that that's so i just don't like to think about iron man 3 in general but <laughs> That's so crazy to me. We could talk forever about that. I think that's the best Iron Man movie. Uh, yeah. Ega. I do. Ega. Is it because of the Mandarin? Yeah, that's one that's one of many things. I like Iron Man 3. I don't care. Uh, you See, guys. When I go back <laughs> to guys. Iron Man 3, this is what I thought the test was. I watched it last year after not having seen it for a long time. I mean, it only came out a few years ago. And I think same summer as Man of Steel, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it was. It was. Knowing that the Mandarin was not really a thing, it still was like it t- intense enough for me. Like I could get there. Like certain movies, you go back and you know the plot and the twist, and you're like, oh, okay, it changes it for me. Didn't change it for me. Still thought it was great. So Ben that, Kingsley is something else too. I mean, love Ben Kingsley. Oh man, that's a hell I'm gonna die on Iron Man three. That's a, a topic I'll for another you. time. I'll fine, I'll kill you. On How it. dare you? <laughs> that's why you're gonna die on it. I, I think my main complaint with Iron Man, the Iron Man sequels, really, is that it happens in so many franchises. That first movie, like the Iron Man suit, is so powerful. Like this one suit, and then something happens, and then all of a sudden, like now there's dozens of them, and they're just like it's like the Sentinels in, in the Matrix trilogy. Like they're right. just like plowing through them with the, you know as they're invading Zion. It's like I thought these things were like. Tough, and now you're just like tearing through them. Like, I don't know. So, th- that was my one complaint with the Iron Man movies with all the drones and everything. Yeah, that's but, fair. You know. no, that's totally fair I because it's, it, I think it cheapens it that I'm complaining about, but I don't know. It cheapens it a bit. Um, I agree. So, uh, we want to hear from you, the listener. Let us know when you see Shazam, what you thought of Shazam. Uh, clearly, we all enjoyed it very much. Official review for thegeekiverse.com coming up probably by the time you hear this. But uh, we'll wrap things up here. Any final thoughts uh, that you didn't get out on Shazam at all? This was a super, super fun movie, and it gives me further hope for DC's theatrical efforts going forward. Um, I hope this, that this is a character that they focus on in years to come. There's some nice momentum building here. Yes. What's next, Joker? Yes, right. that'll be October. But I not believe. DCEU, just DC, right. which is weird what they've got going on, but either way. That one will be interesting. I really don't know what we're going to get out of that. I have no idea. Right. No idea at all. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is a hell of an actor, and this is a character that if you really dive into it, you could do some you can do some poignant stuff with. It's going to be easy to beat Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that script and that writing. <laughs> Bad. Uh, Dell, any, any final thoughts on Shazam at all? I really enjoyed it. Um, I think if there was one complaint I had about it, uh, and this is coming from a dad, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, the the whole strip club thing, I get. He's a fourteen year old boy who now is able to like, you know, buy beer and do, and do whatever else. Um, I, th- I think that that kind of because it was such, I mean, it was such a, a, a family oriented kind of thing. I think that that's going to turn off some parents from letting their kids see it. Sure. Um, I think that just I think that one element maybe works against it in terms of like, you know, because that could be. This could have been a, a really um, accessible movie to introduce all kinds of you know younger fans to the to the character. You know, and some parents maybe there's not as prudish as you know others, but um, yeah, I think that that's the one thing that kind of like I I, pr- I maybe worked against it in terms of like this being something that you could just show to any kid anytime. I think that's a fair point. I thought the beer thing was hilarious. Your finest beer, just the way he said it, he's clueless, you know. And then they taste it, and they're like, "Oh, this is terrible. Why would we want to drink this?" Um, but I, I agree. Like I, I could have done without the strip club uh, scene or sequence. Um, but you know, overall, uh, very much enjoyed it. I laughed a lot, uh, as I like to do with these movies. So that was great. We've got a lot coming up here at the Gigaverse in the in the next few months. We are less than two months away from Nickel City Con. Woo, woo. Oh boy, it's busy season for us, and then a month, less than a month after that, E3. So happy season, as I call it. Uh, you can see Shazam in theaters April fifth. Uh, if you didn't get to see it today, and then after that, the Avengers Endgame, April twenty sixth. I don't think we're going to be able to see that one two weeks early. <laughs> I think we're going to have to wait all the way until that comes. But that is going to be on my mind. I'm working my way through the MCU right now. I just passed Iron Man three. 
Thank you very much, Jeff. Oh, ironic. Yeah, ironic. <laughs> uh, I'm on to Thor Dark World. Don't worry. Glad I didn't join you for it. Yeah, I'm, gla- I'm glad you didn't. I wouldn't invite you. So, um, lots coming up here. Why don't we go around? Uh, where can we find you on social media? And what can you plug? Jeff, we'll start with you. You've been a busy man. Award-winning author. Award-winning, right. Still waiting for whatever the award is, but... I'll take it as, as long as I know it's. Do coming. you want to know the award, or do you want me to hold it for another podcast? You want to I think I think we have to hold it for another pie. We've built up okay. the, we built up the mystique Jeff, and the mystery I, behind I it. Proclaimed Can't on the last podcast, Geeks Got Game. Check it out, our video game podcast. That he is an award winning author. He doesn't know what award though. You wouldn't let me tell him, and then I wanted to tell it was bad. So I wouldn't let you tell. Now you're going to have to wait. I wouldn't let you tell me because I don't know what it is. I can't let you tell. I no, physically that's right. can't. And you're always going to wonder. But you're an award winning author. Sure. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Someone <laughs> understands. <laughs> if if you enjoy reading written fiction and you're a fan of such series like Shannara, Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Earthsea, go to Amazon.com. Lord of the Rings. Sure, Lord of the Rings, search The Legend of Light or my name, Jeffrey Pavlock. You can find the first two books in my high fantasy trilogy, The Legend of Light, on there. You can also find me on Twitter, at Jeffrey Pavs, Instagram, Jeff Pavlock. I will have our written review for Shazam. Uh, probably around this time that you're listening to this. Also, I will have a feature editorial about the youth empowerment theme in Shazam. I think there's a lot of very important um, themes and motives in there about youth empowerment and what this movie can mean to young fans watching the superhero genre. I like it. I like it. Dell, you're a busy man as always. Uh, we I'm usually not give them. books and everything. I have to check those out. <laughs> I, I've been doing it for seven know. years, so it's yeah. not like I just did it last weekend or anything. No, it's uh, it's exciting. That's it's right. a big That's time good. for for Jeff and the Geekiverse because we we've got those out now, and we're just waiting on one more and uh, selling well. We've seen some pictures on social media so far from uh, happy fans. You so can order on Amazon, and so far so good. You can come meet Jeff actually at Nickel City and get a signature, which is cool. Um, it's not quite an autograph yet, even though, but it's a signature. <laughs> well, my, <laughs> hand, my, my handwriting is signature. also garbage, so that doesn't I don't really help. know what it says. There's a reason why I type everything that I write. My handwriting is just trash. It's, it's very true. I can vouch for <laughs> yes, that. Yes, you can. Uh, so we usually give the plug for 26 shirts and Fantastic, but I'm going to let you do that today. So this is very exciting. Del, tell in a, a brief snapshot what 26 shirts is, where people can find it, why they want to support it. This is meta. This is better right here. <laughs> Isn't this great? Uh, yeah, 26shirts.com. Uh, we release a different, you know, sports-themed T-shirt. Actually, it's more city-themed these days. Um, well, it's a, it's a good balance of both. And every shirt we sell, we donate to a local family or charity. We also have our Fantastic line, which is available right at the top um, of the website. You click on that, you'll see a bunch of different designs we've done that are, you know, geek-themed. Um, and so check those out. And those also give back to... Uh, in this specific case, the 1330 Cancer Connect charity, which helps uh, young adults dealing with cancer. So we're you know happy to help support that. Um, yeah, and then you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Just look for 26 shirts, and then you'll find everything else that might interest you. Absolutely. Uh, Bill's Mafia fans as well, uh, this is the guy to talk to. Um, you guys have raised quite a bit of money over the years for families and charities. Yeah, it's really surreal this idea of i had kind of took off like it did and you know we just passed i think five hundred and seventy four thousand dollars in about five and a half years and i get i get a lot of congratulations and kudos for that but really it's and this is going to sound like i'm patronizing but i really believe it like it's because of all the people that you know believe in the idea and you know buffalo is the city of good neighbors and we have a chicago line and pittsburgh line as well but really i mean buffalo is the 90 something percent of our sales i mean they just 
you know, Buffalonians or Western New Yorkers or whatever, um, they, they love their sports. They love to help um, others in need, and we feel like that's a good marriage of the two. And they also like sweet T-shirts, and we try to, we try to handle that part. But, you know, it's really a, a team effort that we have with our, uh, our customers and our supporters. I'm not kidding when I say this. Uh, I have to go through a cleanse in my closet every, every – when I say I have to, my wife makes me get rid of clothes. My closet currently – is basically like eighty percent fantastic shirts. Like it's just it's how it is. Um, and I've got the my favorite, the the red butter knife sabers t shirt, which it, I just, that's my favorite. I love it. Um, and we should say you're wearing a, a unreleased twenty six shirts right now. Yes. Yeah, so I had uh, the pleasure of uh, modeling the new twenty six shirts shirt, which is coming out Monday, the twenty fifth. Yes. Yes. Um, and that will be available for a limited time. If you like Buffalo, if you like Marvel, you'll love this shirt. That's all, that's all I can say about it. It's awesome. Um, it was so funny. I was, I told, again, I told Lauren, I was like, man, this is great. This is something I can check off my list. I always wanted to do that. She's like, what? Model for Dell? And I was like, you made that sound way creepier than <laughs> it needed to. So leave it to her. She's always got the last, uh, last word there. She can't let you have this moment. <laughs> she, she just can't. You know, it's how she is. But uh, yeah, she's a punk. I always thought I was a punk. She's a bigger punk, even though she's just five foot you two. You can tell her though that you killed it. <laughs> you did a great job. She started talking Titanic. I'm like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> Enough with that crap. But anyway, you can pick that up at 26shirts.com. One thing you always say on social media: you guys exist to help, right? Yep, that's that's the one reason we exist to help. That's um, it was a, an idea that I had that was going to be a one year community service project, and. You know, very early on, I realized it was something that could probably be a lot bigger. And, you know, God just kind of worked it out in a lot of different ways that now it's helping a lot of people. And we're just, I'm really grateful that I get to be a part of it. Well, we're grateful to even just have you sitting here. We've been fans for a long time, and it's great getting to know you over the last few years just kind of because of Geekiverse and Fantastic. So this is a great partnership. We enjoy it a lot. Please can check I, that out. Can I say likewise, too? Like, I've been wanting to, like, do one of these with <laughs> you guys, like, for so long. I love sports. Man, I love you know, sci-fi and superhero movies too. So it's, I'm so happy I can do this with you. The grass Much is greener on the other side. It, you see that? It yeah, is. The, the screen is greener <laughs> the too. The screen is greener. That's very true. It's the creepy cardboard cutout Joe. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Crap. Man, I'm all over the all place. Right, this, that, is, this is the second time, man. That's what happens, man. I just you wake up so many times. I have a, a seven-month-old. So, you know, it, it's all good. I love it. Uh, Nickel City Con, the weekends of May 18th at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. Geekiverse is a proud, proud sponsor. We'll be there hosting Q&As throughout the weekend, celebrity panels. And unfortunately, you'll hear Pete's voice over the, the loudspeaker all weekend. I'm sorry about that. There's nothing I can do about it. But he will be uh, making announcements so you'll know exactly where you can go and spend your money. Um, so we're excited to, to be partners with Dave and Adams for that. Uh, Dell, you'll be there as well, right? Yeah, uh, 26 Shirts and Fantastic are going to have a booth, and I'm really excited to be a part of that, too. Awesome stuff. Uh, that'll be exciting. For the, the Geekiverse, you can catch us on social media at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse. We, uh, we really enjoy our community discussions there. Visit us on Twitter at the underscore Geekiverse and Instagram at the Geekiverse. Uh, one other thing we want to plug here is uh, we have a, a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Geekiverse. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can subscribe there. You unlock exclusive rewards and perks at each different level that you subscribe to. It goes a long way for us, and if you can't, 
no big deal. We'd appreciate it if you tell a, a friend about it. Um, it's very important. I'll, we know what Patreon does. Do you, yes, know, we do do. you know what Patreon does for us, Dell? I think so. <laughs> you have n- oh, I don't maybe not. Uh, Jeff, what does it do? Helps us keep the lights on. It helps us keep the lights on. We need that. Uh, we don't want to podcast in the dark because it's already cold down here, so that's no good. Anyway, uh, it goes very far for us. Thank you so much for considering. Lots coming up, as we said, between uh, all your Avengers Endgame coverage, Shazam, and even uh, Captain Marvel that we're still talking about. So for Jeff Pavlock, for Del Reed, I'm Josiah Leroy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you soon.